The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday and happy 2024. It's so exciting. It's a new year. It's our first podcast of 2024, and we're going to be starting with a bang. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. All right, our quirky tip of the day is... Check your boundaries, y'all. We are going to do a whole podcast on boundaries. Scott came in the other day and he was like, you know, I think I want to write a blog post on boundaries and dogs. And we started flushing out and we're like, oh, let's just make it a podcast. It turned into a whole other topic. And boundaries are important, especially in dog training. And the more people we see, the longer we're in this industry, the more people have a hard time putting boundaries in the relationship with their dog and the life with their dog and everything else. The boundaries also extend a lot greater than your dog. So we're going to discuss that here today for our first podcast of 2024. Yeah, I I feel like, you know, I'm talking to a lot of clients and um, they don't even have a concept of what boundaries are. And I'm not saying that to be rude, but they just let the dog do whatever it wants, whenever it wants. It's kind of like, to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, you have a young puppy and you're just letting the puppy explore and you're letting the puppy be free and you want this puppy to blossom in a sense, but then they never start teaching the dog what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. And then all of a sudden they got this, this big puppy that's totally out of control. Yeah. And even things like safety stuff. So you have a puppy, you want it to, you know, feel free and enjoy itself. If you have unlimited access to water, your puppy is going to have house training issues and it's going to be peeing the house. If you're not controlling where the puppy has access to in the house, the puppy could fall down a flight of stairs. If the basement door is open and you have a full set of stairs down to your finished basement, the puppy could fall down those stairs. If the puppy's, you know, cuddling with you on the couch and now is loose on the couch, the puppy could jump off the couch and have an orthopedic issue. I mean, we're not just talking about boundaries for like, oh, dial the dogs in and have them listen to you and make them obey. I mean, there's partially structure and that's related to anxiety and everything else, but there's a safety component of boundaries. Certainly the physical boundaries and people can appreciate that and understand that a lot better. But I start thinking... Some people don't even want to do that, though. They'll just leave their door open and the dog can come in and out at will. After the people have a problem, they start to implement some puppy gates and things like that. But I was thinking about boundaries as it relates to uh, relationship with your dog because relationship doesn't... when When people hear that their relationship isn't good or your problem is your relationship with your dog, it doesn't really tell them anything. It's kind of like when I was getting into dog sports real early on, I was having trouble with my dog and I had more than one, more than three people tell me, you need to kick the dog's ass. It didn't tell me anything. Like, what does that mean exactly? You know, because that, that's subject to interpretation. It doesn't really tell you anything. Oh, you need to kick the dog's ass, you know? And so it didn't help me until I found a, a trainer that could work with me and work with my dog and, and establish some real clear communication, some boundaries in a sense, where that dog really started to excel and started to shine. So relationship with your dog is one of the most difficult things to help people with. And at the same time, it really gets down to teaching the dog what's right and wrong, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, 
and maintaining those boundaries throughout the dog, your life with that dog. And sometimes you don't want to implement boundaries. You know, you enjoy the dog being there, but the boundaries are for the sake of the wellness of the dog. For instance, you get home from work, you know, at six o'clock after, you know, you have dinner, everything else, you sit on the couch. If you're literally touching your dog from six o'clock to 11 p.m. and just stroking your dog, even though that's exactly what you want to be doing for five hours, that isn't necessarily healthy for your dog. So you may have to implement a boundary, one that you don't want to do, one that you think isn't necessary, but for the health and wellness of your dog and your relationship moving forward. Yeah, you have to put the boundary on yourself. Yeah. You know, and yeah. uh, it's interesting because it's these little things that, and then it gets down to also consistency. You know, it's not thinking, oh, I'm going to, this week I'm going to start implementing some boundaries and I'm going to be riding my dog's butt and teaching them all this stuff. And then two weeks later, you're tied up doing other stuff. And now your dog is getting away with all these things that you didn't want him doing two weeks previously. You have to really be consistent about, again, what's acceptable and what's not. I mean, a perfect example is jumping. You know, the dog jumps on you when you get home. The dog jumps on guests when they come in. The dog jumps on other dogs when they're there. The dog plays rough. You know, the dog is just kind of out of control in, in that regard. And um, you need to teach the dog that it's not acceptable. At the very least, the first thing the dog's not going to jump on is you. You're not going to jump on me when you come in the house. If you don't have a plan for that, you work with, you start with management so that the dog can't get to you and start jumping. But you need to start establishing some control over your dog to teach them what's acceptable and what's not. Yeah. They all have energy. It's not about, everyone thinks... My puppy has so much energy. That's why my puppy jumps all over me. All dogs have, you know, when they get older, of course, when they're getting into, with our dogs, even Max at 10, is strong. Max even is at 10 11 years old, they have strong. a ton of energy. Yeah. But where's that energy going? You know, and when yeah. do they have learned some self-discipline about reeling in their own energy? Yeah, and management is an important part. I was thinking about that. You know, maybe you have a dog who counter surfs and you're thinking, okay, coming into the new year... I don't want to have any counter surfing. This is going to be something I work on. If you're too tired to work on it or, you know, you don't exactly have a plan and action of how you're going to work on it, buy some baby gates and put baby gates up all of January while you're making a meal. Throw your dog, you know, a chew or something in the other room that they enjoy, or hopefully they can just be on the other side of a baby gate and relax on the couch while you're cooking a meal. But start to manage that, okay? Management isn't fixing the issue. It's not necessarily creating the boundary. It's not necessarily teaching the dog anything, but you're not getting these continued reps of the behavior you didn't want. And boundaries are important, you guys. We talk about, you know, putting dogs in crates and having dogs become accustomed to crates. Every client dog we have, every dog we own personally, every client that we teach, we talk about a boundary coming out of the crate. It's not that, you know, this is, so you're starting this like hierarchical dominance relationship. It's basically Susan Garrett crate games, but the dog isn't going to pass the plane of the crate until they come out. That's a boundary. That's the first step of the day if the dog sleeps in the crate. That's the first interaction you have after work if your dog is crated while you're away from home. That's the first time that you're kind of reconvening and there's a boundary there. Another great place to implement a boundary all the time is as the dog goes outside. Maybe you have a slider. Maybe you have a screen door something else. You have the dog sit there. You have the dog wait. Sometimes you play tricks with the dog or maybe you toss a cookie out in front of the dog. Maybe you walk out the door first. Maybe you say a word that isn't their release cue. You're creating a boundary at the door. Now, when there's multiple people in the house and multiple people letting the dog out of the crate and letting the dog go outside... I understand that's hard to maintain, right? Your six-year-old kids aren't going to do the same thing that you do. But you can do it every single time. 
I know for a fact, my girls have different criteria with Scott letting them out than me. They will definitely do a full on sit for me when I touch the door and they'll wait with Scott. They'll hold their criteria maybe, but if he goes to walk down the hallway, they're not going to sit. They may run out. We have different ways that we handle our dogs, but there's still a boundary that you can put into place that at least you specifically can make sure your dogs adhere to. Yeah. I mean, and then it's not always about them doing negative behavior. I think about boundaries. Let's say it's a nice summer day and you go visit a friend and you go to a park with your, you both have dogs and your dogs love to play with each other and they run around in that open grass and have a great time. I would end that play before the dog, my dog could possibly get heat exhaustion. Something could go south. So they're having fun. And then I'm going to call my dog out of play, put him on a leash and it's, it's going to be over. Not because the dog did anything wrong. It's just because there's a certain amount. I'm there as an advocate for my dog. I need mm-hmm. to protect my dog. My dogs typically have a lot of drive. They will run themselves into the ground until it could be a medical emergency. No question. So I need to be the one to... Intervene. Yeah. Look out for them. Say, hey, okay, you've had enough. Come on yeah. in. Same thing Love with you. swimming. Putting a leash on you. Same thing with swimming. Our dogs would swim until they died. If you're not familiar with water intoxication, that is a very real possibility with dogs who love water. And that is something that we have to make sure that we're being careful of with our dogs. We're limiting how long they're going to stay in the lake. We're limiting how many reps they get in the pool. We're limiting all of that. So yes, boundaries don't always have to be because there's a pain point. They just It's just like good parenting. You should be implementing boundaries. This is part of raising kids and dogs in society these days to become you know well-respected members of society. Boundaries are very, very, very important. Yeah. And and with kids, I mean, it's like letting them have some candy, letting them have some pastries or something. Can you, can I have some pastry? Yeah, sure. Can I have some more? No, you've had one and that's, you're not going to be eating the whole box of pastries, but I know they're great. But, and if I, you know, if I was a child left to my own devices, (laughs) I'd eat the whole damn thing. Even nowadays, he has to be told no. We manage it. We don't buy it. Speaking of which, I have to say before we go to break, Scott got me two jars of Nutella on Christmas Day, and we still have some of the jar left. I was talking about in my weakness podcast that I have to manage it, so maybe I'm getting better with that. All right, let's go to break super quick, and we get back, we're going to talk more about these boundaries. Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast like me and Murphy here? Then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to the madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. All right, we're back. So I want to expand this Boundary podcast um, beyond dogs a little bit, and we're going to still be touching on dogs here in the second half. But boundaries are important in all things life. And typically people who have decently weak boundaries with their dogs have weak boundaries in other areas of their lives. And um, I don't know how to phrase this in a politically correct way or in a way that's going to, you know, sound warm and fuzzy. I'm not super warm and fuzzy. I but... hope you offend somebody in 2024. That's <laughs> oh, all I'm, I sure I, I'm sure I already have. How long have we been on air? 11 minutes and 11 seconds. I'm sure it's already happened. So take it from some other people who are well-respected and have these things to say. Brene Brown has this quote. She's very well-respected, great influencer, amazing person, awesome author. Daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love ourselves even when we risk disappointing others. Super true, very much how I feel about boundaries. Mel Robbins, love Mel Robbins. She's top 10 podcasts of 2023. She, I think she launched her podcast last year. Only Mel Robbins, this is amazing. Um, toxic people make you think you're holding a grudge when you're really holding a boundary. Last one I'm going to read, Young Pueblo. Um, what is he, a poet, Young Pueblo? 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah, we read a bunch of his excerpts before meditation and such. Um, He says, heal yourself, but don't rush. Help people, but have boundaries. Love others, but don't let them harm you. Love yourself, but don't become egotistical. Stay informed, but don't overwhelm yourself. Embrace change, but keep pursuing your goals. So help people, but have boundaries. This is so important. Normally, if you don't have boundaries, you're too available. Okay? So availability to people and especially people that you love dearly. And like, I'm probably more available to Scott than anyone else in my life. It, it's I sign- really need her though. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Things may fall. I'm a danger to myself. Things may fall apart if I become <laughs> less available to Scott. But yes, there's going to be certain people that you, you know, expand these rules with and extend these really strict boundaries with and everything else. But as a general rule, you should have boundaries in your relationships, whether it be a love relationship, your parents, your children, your siblings, your friends. Friends are a huge, huge, huge good relationship to implement boundaries with. You should have imp- uh, boundaries at work as far as if you're bringing work home, how you're handling work, going off of relationships at work with your coworkers, with your boss. There needs to be certain boundaries. And we're not saying that you need to be some you know, scathing bitch and like, don't talk to me that way. And you're not respecting me and everything else. But it is more than fine to say, um, excuse me, you know, I don't really appreciate the way you said that to me just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I can't do this. There are ways that you can, you know, very... Um, politely start to intervene and create boundaries. And boundaries are a very, very important thing when it comes to other people in your life. So if you're having trouble implementing boundaries with your dog, you may have a small issue with implementing boundaries with people in your life as well. And that's a great place to start. And the best thing about boundaries is the more that you start implementing them, the better you become at implementing them. So let's practice with the dog. You know, let's let's do a test run on the dog, see how it goes. Maybe extend some of those skills out to your closest you know, friendships, then maybe your crazy sister, then maybe your overbearing parents, then maybe your needy as hell children that you love dearly. Let's start expanding those boundaries, but you need to practice using boundaries so you can implement them elsewhere. Yeah. And I would say also getting back to the dogs that uh, I have a lot of clients that actually do a really good job in their obedience training and in their practicing of their lessons. Um, But they still have a hard time with the boundary aspect or they don't even consider the boundary aspect of their relationship with their young dogs. So, so where is the boundary lacking then? Um, well, sometimes just not teaching the dog to be by itself yeah, for, that's a good one. for a few hours a day. Like It's like, and this is the same with parents and kids nowadays, where, you know, when I was a kid, all kids were taught, it was normal, all my friends, everybody were taught to go play. Like the, the away adult, from home, the adults are having Amuse coffee. Yourselves. The yeah. adults are having coffee, and you guys go over there and and entertain yourselves. And if you're by yourself, go entertain yourself. It could be read a book, play with some Legos or Lincoln Logs, but don't bother us. You go over there. This is adult time here. It was very normal. Now, parents seem to have a hard time with that. They are giving a lot of tech, technology, you know, these devices. Mm-hmm. Like giving them their iPhone here, just look at this, look at this, instead of teaching the kid to be alone and entertain themselves in a in a creative way. So with the dogs, it's the same thing. If you're constantly working with your dog, your dog is learning a lot of cool stuff, but they're not learning how to disengage, be, uh, be autonomous. Yes. You just be over there now and hang out, which is a really valuable thing to have. It's so nice to just have your dog comfortable hanging out away from you. And I would argue that it's our due diligence as dog owners. Not only is it a nice skill to have, but we are 
we're supposed to teach our dogs this, right? Dogs are domesticated animals. They're bred to work with us. They're bred to feed off of our energy and our body language and everything else. These service dogs, legitimate service dogs, not the BS service dogs that are sold for a high price and have no business working in the field. These legitimate service dogs, they're working from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day. I mean, dogs are bred for being 24-7, you know, ready to glom on, ready to be there for you, ready to support you, ready to alert you. It is our due diligence as dog owners to teach the dogs to be okay in their own skin, to be okay being autonomous from us, you know? And again, this is one of those things that you may like the interaction, you may like the dog needs you and everything else, but we need to do it for our dogs. And since Scott brought up screens with the kids, I'm super glad he did. And this is no slight to anyone. I mean, I have a lot of friends out there with you know, kids of young ages these days. And I am not, you know, judging you guys for handing kids iPads or handing the iPhone or anything else. I understand technology has changed. Everything is different now, but it is something to think back on like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, I used to have to go do a puzzle or I used to have to go play Legos. And now my kid gets to have an iPad or an iPhone in their hands. Screen should be a boundary that you have as well in your own life. And this is an important thing. This is a great time to start to implement it. There's a lot of science out there as far as how screens are damaging to our sleep and to our mental health and to everything else. Clearly, social media is very damaging to us. Have a boundary for how often you're allowed to be on these things. There's a ton of apps that can limit, you know, hey, you've been on Instagram for 45 minutes. That's enough. You're done for the day. TikTok, I don't even have TikTok on my phone. It's on the iPad and I have to, you know, get more into TikTok. But if I get sent a TikTok thing on my phone, it doesn't even pop up because I don't even have the app on my phone. I don't have Facebook on my phone. And this isn't, oh, wow, like Jess is so great. This is so awesome. It's a boundary, right? So I need to go and deal with stuff having to do with Facebook or the podcast or something else. I have to go to the iPad to deal with Facebook. My phone has not slept in the bedroom for years. It sleeps on airplane mode. If you create boundaries with screens, one, it's going to allow you to do those other goals you may have this year. Read X amount of books, lose X amount of weight, go walking X amount of miles, everything else, because you're having less time with your phone, but it's important to implement a boundary with these things. And I was thinking about this even on the way over. It's crazy nowadays. Like you want to look for a job. It's all through your phone. You want to get into a relationship? It's all through your phone. Everything we need in life comes through our screens now. Like that's just the bottom line. I feel like I was the very last generation and I'm a little bit under 40 here that like you didn't have to have a phone to find a relationship. Now, like if you're not on these apps and you're not on Tinder and you're not on match.com and whatever all these things are, you may never find love again. And I'm not meaning to be rude and fatalist. I probably offended people there. Definitely. Now I'm at 1830. Yeah. If you- <laughs> but if you, this is kind of just how our society functions these days, right? It is sheer luck to have a friend or a coworker or a family member be like, Hey, why don't you meet this person? Or you bump into somebody at the bar and you know, you kind of have this flirtatious thing and it becomes a relationship. That is like all the police on you. (laughs) That is like an old way that we did things, but make, be mindful that our phones are becoming the only way that we can function. So yes, if you're on these dating apps and everything else, I get it, but then maybe cut your time on social, cut your time on the news, cut your time on whatever else you're doing on your phone. It's important to have boundaries as it relates to screen. Yeah, and getting back to the dogs, (laughs) I think that one of the primary reasons that we're seeing so much separation anxiety and instability and insecurity in dogs is getting back to this relationship uh, issue with the owners. And uh, by they, the dog is looking to us like a child is looking to us for security, direction, stability, calmness, and they reflect what we give them. So if we can be calm, clear have rules, teach them what the rules are, 
enforce the rules, create consequences when they keep trying to push the boundary. Are, they, are you sure I really have to do that? Yes, mm-hmm. this is the way it is. They start to stabilize within themselves. Just take a sigh of relief that my, my owner has got my back. I don't need to worry about shit. He'll take care of it. She'll take care of it. That's the only thing that I think they think because they calm down. We see it. You get less reactivity on leash. It minimizes their stress. We see it. Many of these problems are relationship problems. We're trying to implement obedience to fix relationship problems the best we can. But, you know, the leash reactivity is a huge one that gets back to an insecure dog who doesn't trust the person holding the leash and that's going to take care of them or get, provide them with the right you know, information yeah. to get them through that situation. And I would say 15% of the time, the dog does have true reactivity towards other animals. Maybe it was previously attacked, whatever. That same behavior is going to happen if the owner's holding the leash or we're holding the leash. But that other 85% of the time... As soon as someone else is holding the leash with the same tools, the owner wasn't doing anything wrong with the technique or anything else, the dog is fine. Why is that? Well, in our minds, it's often because the dog then is resource guarding the person. So if this is now a relationship issue where you have crazy leash reactivity, you can't take your dog anywhere, you're embarrassed to be out in public with your dog, but it's just happening when you're holding the leash... We're talking boundaries. We're talking relationship. We're talking something that is touching on beyond the obedience. Like Scott is saying, this is something that is beyond the obedience, but you need to implement more boundaries. What might that look like? Very clear criteria of loose leash walking in your living room. Very clear criteria of loose leash walking in your front yard. Maybe a switch up of tools. If you've been using a harness, try a flat collar. If you've been using a pinch collar, try a gentle leader. Of course, get professional help, but try something that you haven't tried before. Don't just go out with your same toolbox and get these same repetitions going in the new year. But leash reactivity is a huge one, and you have to create a boundary with your dog. You are no longer allowed to do this. You're no longer allowed to step up and choose to be the one to protect me. I can protect myself. I'm good. I'm okay. Yeah. And I, a lot of this stuff, when you're you're talking about shifting relationships and, uh, aside from the obedience, I mean, uh, getting people to start implementing a crate and people say, well, why do I got to use a crate? The dog doesn't pee in the house. Like the the potty training is fine. My dog doesn't chew up the couch. I don't want to use a crate. It takes up a lot of space in my small apartment and I can appreciate where they're coming from, but telling, making your dog go in a crate and we can try to make that as pleasant as possible. I tell people feed their dogs in the crate. And quite often the, the dog's like, no, I'm not eating. And people get all, oh my God, the dog's not eating. But these are where the relationship shifts happen that can then bleed over into your walking on leash. Again, you can do a ton of obedience. If you've been through three trainers and your problem still isn't fixed and you've done positive and balanced and e-collar and gentle leader, you've done all stuff and you can't get a handle on it, It's but other people can, meaning the trainer takes the dog, no problem. Every your, time you have the dog. Your partner takes the dog. Yeah, not someone else has it. It's a relationship issue. And that creating, I tell people it's about implementing structure, and that's part of it. But making the dogs do something that they don't necessarily want to do is another way of establishing this relationship about you do what I want you to do, 
It's not a punishment. It's because I love you, but this is what we're doing right now. Yeah. And then they start, and they're going to kick and scream about well, these they things because they're they, protesting a lot of times. They might or they might not. And it is creating a physical boundary. I mean, Scott's right. It's actually funny that you brought up the crating situation. I just posted um, on the Quirky Dog Instagram on, on the stories. I saw somebody, there was this mother. She had like a seven-month-old kid and her dog. And she's like, I finally figured out what this freaking crate's for. And she locked herself in the crate and she's reading a book. And her kid's like banging at the crate like mommy 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 and the dog's looking at her but it does create this physical boundary right away right and maybe you already have a crate at the house this almost happens more often than the other situation and the owners will say oh yeah the dog loves the crate he'll go in it he'll take a nap he really enjoys the crate okay but then for 20 the door. Yeah, yeah for 2024 let's now have the door closed to the crate crate is still there and now you're going to pick and choose when the dog has its crate time so, and you'll say, oh yeah, the dog accepts the crate. It's fine. Okay. Have the dog in a crate when people come over, have the dog in a crate while you're preparing dinner, have your dog in a crate while you're preparing his meal, try to feed your dog in the crate, have your dog in the crate. You know, when your kids come home from school, see how calm your dog is, see how much your dog accepts those different situations. And that is a great one and an easy one to implement. And yes, of course, crating does give you structure, but as we say time and time and time again, as far as anxiety goes, we don't know how else to fix it. And our big three are stepping on the leash, which we talk about all the time, crating and teaching a dog a strong place command. That is how we teach our most anxious boot camps and our most anxious, you know, class package clients how to work through their anxiety. So if you have a dog who's really anxious, who's really over the top, who's maybe reactive and everything else, and you are not closing that crate or you're leaving that crate door open or that crate is in your basement, get it out. You know, many people have plenty of space in their home for a crate. Bring that crate up and get that crate out and reintroduce the dog to the crate this year. Yeah. And it's just part of, of being a responsible dog owner. If you're not willing or able to implement any type of boundaries uh, with your dog, you shouldn't have a dog because the dog is miserable. The dog is potentially could become dangerous. Um, it's just not fair to the dog. It's not fair to them to give them the amount of freedom because we feel they should have it and they're getting themselves in trouble constantly yep. or they're so insecure they need to be on medication and you know it's just it's not normal that's the bottom line it's just it's just not a moral way to handle a domesticated animal. Yeah, and there's a know. lot of people that are having issues with animal husbandry stuff, right? The dog has an issue with the groomer. The dog has an issue with the vet. The dog has an issue with them being handled. And rightfully so. You guys, I have gotten probably a half dozen of these dogs last year. They're not a joke. Like, I would be maimed. Like, they would be attacking me and attacking me and attacking me. And I would be on the floor screaming and crying if I was alone handling them without a muzzle. Teach your dog to accept a muzzle. That is a boundary. You're at the vet's office. The tech is doing something. They go to advance the tech. At least there's a boundary between their teeth and the tech's arm. That is a great time to start to implement a boundary being a muzzle. Teach your dog to become conditioned to a muzzle this year. And Scott says, you know, if you can't implement boundaries with your dogs, you probably should know dogs, everything else. I'm going to take that from a little happier perspective and say, if you're having trouble implementing boundaries with your dogs, Welcome that. Welcome that, that, okay, I, I do have an issue here. I have a mental block here. I do have a problem doing this. I do feel bad about this. You don't have to go into all kinds of inner child work and all kinds of stuff and crazy stuff there, but you recognize may have to. you may have to. You yeah. never know where your journey is going to lead you. But 
you you're recognizing that and then you're accepting yourself like that. And then you're thinking, how can I work on that? And again, if you start by practicing implementing boundaries with your dog, setting boundaries with your dog in 2024, you're going to become better at setting boundaries in your marriage, in your parenting, in, you know, being the child of these parents who need you and they're lonely and they're retired and they miss you and they have health concerns and they need groceries and X, Y, Z, your friends who you love dearly, who you've known since elementary school, middle school, you know, since before you could even walk if your parents were friends, since college, these dear, dear friends, you will be better at setting boundaries in other areas of your life if you start practicing setting boundaries with your dogs. I promise you. Yeah, and I think that, you know, stability attracts stability. (laughs) That's why we're together. (laughs) And, you know, this inconsistency and insecurity is going to attract nuttiness. And uh, like we said before, the dog is kind of a reflection of, and I'm, I'm not saying if you just got this dog into your house and it's a rescue and it's coming with a lot of baggage, you can turn a lot of that stuff around. The dog, I'm not saying the dog is going to be the same way it would be if you had got a purebred puppy and raised it and did everything right. But you can eliminate a lot of the baggage, the emotional baggage this dog has just by creating some structure and making that dog feel secure in its own skin. And, um, and that does not come by letting the dog do whatever it wants. Like yeah, Scott I mean, was talking about earlier with these puppies, when you get a new rescue into the house with a lot of baggage, you're implementing boundaries left and right. You're only going to have access to this room. You're going to maybe be tied to my waist while I make dinner. You're not going to be off leash for X, Y, Z amount of time. Like you're creating boundaries left and right so that dog can't get way out of the perimeter there. Yeah, and a lot of the rescue organizations are preaching the exact opposite of what we're saying here today. They're saying, give the dog time to settle in. It's a new space. He's going to be, you know, naturally the dog is going to be fearful in this new environment. Give them time to get a feel for the lay of the land and, you know, weeks and months. And it can really, I think, backfire. Dogs don't have higher level functioning to be able to make these choices. They need to walk into stability. They need to know that someone has their back. As owners or moms and dads or guardians or whatever the hell you want to call it of these dogs, you need to be the ones that are implementing the ground rules, just like parenting should. You're implementing the ground rules, what your kids are allowed to do at your home, at other people's homes, at their grandparents' homes, in school. You are the one setting the ground rules, and the rescues are expecting the same thing from you. Yeah, so I I mean, I went to a house uh, last month where they had a rescue, they had a lot of fear, and they asked me to come over and give them some help, and they had the dog was in a laundry room in a crate with the door open, the door had never been closed, and the dog just stays there, like all day, and I... They try to take the dog out the back door to go potty. Doesn't want to walk on the street. Everything is a huge problem. And I said, okay, I'll put a leash on the dog, bring the dog out into the into the living room, and let's see what we got. They had never done that. They had the dog for two months. The dog had never been anywhere except in this laundry room and out in and out of this back door because it's afraid of the rest of the house, this is what they're telling me. And I said, well, put a leash. She puts the leash on the dog, and then she's begging the dog to come out of the crate. The dog won't come out of the crate. I said, okay, well, let me give you a hand. And I go and I take the leash and I physically pulled the dog out of the, out of the crate and said, let's go and just went and we started walking into the laundry room, uh, into the living room. And the dog went with me, not happy, but went with me. And now we're in the living room. And they're like, oh my God, the dog's never been in here before. And I start petting the dog and I, we're talking and, and then I had them step on the leash and, until the dog laid down. And next thing you know, 
uh, I said, is it okay f- to have the dog on the couch with you guys? And I said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. And I said, well, just take it for a leash and pat on the couch between you two and invite the dog to come up. And the dog jumps up on the couch, laying down between the two of these this couple. They're petting the dog. And they were just so Borderline happy. Borderline crying. So happy to yeah. see this dog out of the laundry room. I said, if I were you, I'd lock that crate door. The dog is being and controlled by its fear. And maybe close the laundry room, yeah. The dog is controlled by his fear completely. And it's a young dog. It's like nine months. I mean, this dog, they need to get out and expose to a lot of things and get him feeling like this is normal stuff. Come on, let's rock and roll. And that was two months of the dog's life. If that was 12 months or 20 months of the dog's life, that would be even harder to turn around. So um, maybe this seems like, you know, topics that we've talked about before, just packaged in a different way. And I guess frequently that's kind of what the podcast is like. But boundaries are important, and it seems the longer that we own dogs, the harder of a time people have implementing boundaries with dogs and with a lot of other areas of their life. So I think since we're kicking off a new year, it's a good time to take a little mental note of where are our boundaries, how can we fix them, and um, you'll see a change. Things yeah, will improve. I was thinking about that, too. Uh, last night, thinking about the Rules and Restrictions podcast we did, and how is this like just another way of... Uh, implementing rules and restrictions. And in a sense, yes, but uh, the boundaries really gets into relationship stuff. Yeah. Where, you know, like, but, you know, it's even with the rules and restrictions, tell it, like not letting your dog get in the trash is a boundary. You know, you don't go in the trash and you teach the dog not to go in the trash. And if that dog is going in the trash right in front of you, if you're standing in the kitchen and the dog's sticking his head in the trash and pulling stuff up, there's a huge boundary issue and relationship <laughs> issue there that needs to be addressed immediately. He has no dog has no respect for you. Could give a shit what you're doing or yeah. where you're standing. Yeah. I'm going to go in here. Yeah, at that's least a, if they're going to dive into the trash, and make sure they're sneaky about it. To me, that's not an obedience thing. I mean, you can teach a leave it. You can teach avoidance to the trash can by using electronics, but it's a relationship issue. The dog is doing it right in front of you. You shouldn't need to get an electric collar yeah. to, to deal with that. It's like, hey, get your freaking head out of the trash. And you physically get their head out of the trash and tell them no. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no. as an example. It's an, important, it's an important thing to consider. And something even as simple as off, right? Off can mean get off somebody, get off the couch, get away from the trash can, get away from that fence. Off can just mean back off. If you just teach a, you know, off or a leave it this year, at least you have something where you're implementing a boundary where, no, I dropped this Advil. I said, leave it. You're not going to go down and dive on this. Think about when and where you can put these things into your lives, not only to make your own lives easier, but to make your dog's lives better. I promise you, you guys What we do, who we are as people is teaching hundreds of dogs every single year how to be happier and function better in their family dynamic and everything else. And that just starts with boundaries. That's all we see. And we just see dogs over and over again, making their owners feel better about living with them and dogs being calmer and happier in their own skin. So if you don't have boundaries, this is a good year to start. I will say that as it relates to the obedience, quite often... And this is where you see the great trainers have great obedience. It's getting that that reliability that you might be lacking. You've taught everything. The dog is good 80% of the time, except when it wants to do something else. Getting that relationship right will close that gap where you get much better reliability yeah. within your obedience training. And that's assuming you're, you're putting time in. You're teaching the dog what you want, what you don't want. Yeah. <clears throat> how to do it correctly. And now that coupled with this good, strong relationship you have with the dog where the dog knows right and wrong what the boundaries are. You tell them to go 
get the toy and bring it back, they bring it right back to you and sit because this is the way they were taught and they know that that's what dad wants. And that's what game, moms want. It's going to be fun. The game's going to end if yeah. they don't do it that way. Right. You don't just let them take the toy and run around the yeah. yard for 20 minutes and say, he just won't come. Yeah. I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so, so much for joining us on our very first podcast of 2024. Next week, we are going to have one of our friends, one of our clients, and the Portuguese water dog extraordinaire on Kari Lavalle. We're going to talk about Portuguese water dogs and water sports. In the meantime, have a great start to 2024. Implement your boundaries and keep it quirky. quirky. Bye, guys. Thanks. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.